Okay, and we are back. AlphaCast episode two with Dr. Bear Lando and myself, Alpha Warrior. And we are so happy to be back. It's been a couple weeks since we did our first podcast and we've been doing our usual running the business and enjoying our lives up here on the Smith River in Northern California. And we're hoping to get a, another podcast in a little earlier, but we've been busy. And Doc, you had a little bit of an accident, so kind of put us back a little bit. Hey, Michael. Hi, how are you? Yeah, forgive me if I look a little distracted right now. I'm got a family of deer out in the distance through my window. I'm trying to decide which side of the fence they're on because if they're on the wrong side, I got to send somebody out there to deal with them. Anyway, um, yeah, they're little poachers. They kind of like to eat all our good stuff there. Even in the wintertime, they find things that are just now starting to sprout for spring. So I don't want them on my vines and things. Anyway, uh, on the I'll try to stay focused here. Yes. So how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, it seems like our internet's lagging a little yeah. bit, so we'll just kind of monitor that. Um, you know, part of the reality of living up where we live. Sometimes the internet's not perfect, but that's okay. I'll take it. I'll take the fresh air and clean living over super highly efficient internet any day. So, but to be honest, Absolutely. my internet seems to be a little better here than it was when we lived in LA. So, um, it's pretty good. And I'm on a satellite, so we might have a little bit of a delay, but um, things are pretty good here. Great. Well, it's, I'm so happy to be back doing this. I really enjoy doing this. Our first one was kind of a trip to watch. First time ever doing anything like this. So I think uh, we're only going to get better at it. And, you know, it's, the whole point of this is just to be super free-flowing. We don't prep or plan anything. Uh, we've spent thousands and thousands of hours talking about all these subjects and hanging out and we just wanted to bring this these conversations to a platform that our you know people that are interested in alpha vedic and friends and family can enjoy and watch so super excited to uh be doing this again and uh please ignore the beeping in the background that's my bread machine going off <laughs> we like to bake our own bread so hopefully the wife goes and turns that off in a second um, here, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Um, uh, but yeah, so, Makes uh, it authentic. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's nothing like fresh uh, baked bread. I tell you, man, it is, uh, people, you know, there's this whole thing about gluten's bad and we could probably talk a little bit about that, but fresh baked bread with really good flour, spelt flour, uh, is amazing. Yeah. And uh, we'll do some, uh, little tutorials down the road for people that haven't uh, gone into sprouting their own and everything. If you live in an apartment and you have a kitchen sink, you can sprout some spelt berries and, then you can, uh, uh, once they get to a certain stage, you can then uh, dehydrate them, then you can grind them, and then you can make flour that's actually like metabolizing a vegetable rather than eating a grain and gets uh, rid of a lot of those attributes that give some people some grief, especially if you start with non-hybridized grains. So uh, yeah, good stuff. And I know you're doing all those good things. Yeah, the one thing I haven't 
started do uh, doing it is milling our own flour. And that's something I would love to get into. I know I've been over your place and seen you do that. And that's definitely something I need to get from you is I know you'd probably be the guy to know what mill to get and kind of the process. So do you uh, have some good ideas for that. <laughs> well, great. Well, yeah, we really want to jump in today and discuss our topic for today is transhumanism and the myths behind it and really nat going into natural law and what our take on this whole subject is because it is an ever increasingly popular subject amongst my friends. And I have a lot of quote unquote woke friends who just love transhumanism and I don't really argue with them, them, them much because there's really not much point, but I think we have a unique take on this subject and kind of, you know, a lot of the fallacies behind the science of it and uh, a lot of the overall, I guess, assumptions made that th this is a good thing uh, for the evolution of mankind. And I don't know, it's just an interesting subject. So I saw this article on the next web uh, a couple weeks past now where the subject line was future robots won't look like humans because we, we are poorly designed. And that kind of caught my eye that, you know, that was a microcosm of a lot of the, the grander thinking in today's society is that humans are these flawed, evolved monkeys that uh, are basically a great accident. And I think there's a lot to do with the manipulation of these, you know, this thinking uh, in our society. You know, it's kind of all pervasive right now. And this is something I thought we could really talk about. Yeah, and we've actually been set up for this for a long time. You know, people uh, now that are getting into the transhumanism concerns because it looks like people are really attempting to uh, develop a lot of our technologies, uh, institutions, and so forth so that they're controlled by AI and, and all this kind of thing. And, and people, uh, uh, you know, desiring to uh, merge their consciousness with machines, all that kind of thing. You know, it's pretty radical on sci-fi, but uh, this has been going on a lot longer than we realize because if you go back to the advent of what we consider contemporary science, the first thing out of the blocks was to, uh, as we mentioned a little bit last time, take uh, half the equation of science away so that we're left with, um, you know, one part of the way the universe works, uh, only one half. And that half in uh, waveform mechanics uh, describes how we take data from consciousness and compress it through electricity into create uh, all the nuances that our senses uh, register as our reality. And uh, what they leave out is the other part, which is our consciousness that creates the whole thing in the first place. And, and um, so that has created a situation where science now is looking at particles uh, reducing consciousness to particles and um, also directing all their research efforts into trying to find consciousness in particles. Uh, that's like taking a Da Vinci painting and saying, well, let's uh, see if we can find uh, the intelligence behind uh, Da Vinci in the painting. Well, you're not going to find it there. You're going to find it in his consciousness and his consciousness is eternal 
and his consciousness is uh, every bit of uh, as alive and well as the, the day he uh, did his uh, artwork. Yeah, it's like so, trying to um, uh, break down the painting by pixel and saying, oh, we see a pattern mm -hmm. here. Now we can replicate any Da Vinci painting and create new ones because we were able to come up with the mathematical equation of the, um, the parts that make it up versus the looking the other way around and yeah. seeing the grander scheme behind it and what what manipulated those pixels into that i guess um exactly and this is a uh, thought-based universe thought creating electricity electricity causing uh, ca uh creating waveforms and then those waveforms again uh gesture out into our reality and and last time we discussed a little bit uh, about the fact that our sensory apparatus that um, analyzes that data uh, for our use in the simulation is actually part of the simulation. So when we go into uh, a lot of the science I had to study in school, um, you know, we're really in favor of doing all these so-called objective tests with double blind and so forth, not at all considering <laughs> that it's... Uh, all contrived by the same consciousness that's setting up this so-called objective experiment in the first place. And it's going to outpicture uh, most of the time what you think. Uh, so yeah, what they needed to do is take us into a materialistic realm and take consciousness out of it. And that's the problem we have today. And they needed this narrative very early on with the advent of um, when electricity and, and uh, utility companies started making those forms of energy available to the masses because if they gave us both sides of the understanding, then we wouldn't need to take what is considered the compressed matter in our environment, you know, fossil fuels and that sort of thing, and create a one-way uh, combustive um, energy non-loop in which case we have to basically use up the planet in order to, you know, fire up your toaster oven in the morning. Well, also and, creating um, lots of pollution yeah. with that dirty system. Exactly. exactly. And also uh, requiring that um, wires and, and all these methods of uh, conveyance of the energy uh, are necessary that not only are a blight on the landscape, I mean, it's horrible. It's looking like a bad science fiction movie when you go down the center of the state and you just see these massive fields of high-power telephone lines and everything. Frankenstein but then world. Even worse I, call than, I call it a Frankenstein world. No, it, it's like <laughs> a bad movie for sure. And, and then, uh, you know, the worst part, though, is those are putting out uh, resonant energy fields that are not conducive to human health. In fact, it's stuff's unraveling our DNA uh, faster than our consciousness can compress to keep us in this simulation. And that's why lifespans are plummeting right now. Yeah, there's the, um, the waveforms of reality with the compression and the decompression, right? So there needs to be balance. Exactly. To be, yeah. um, you know, the yin and the yang. Um, and we don't have that, especially in Western society. I mean, there's just no concept of that. It's pretty baffling that really our technology hasn't changed much since the Industrial Revolution when it comes to the whole wire landscape and how electricity is conducted and all that. Um, you got to kind of wonder, you know, what's going on there. Um, 
yeah, Matt, I always joke around that if there are, you know, extraterrestrials up there and they're zipping by and they're looking down on our planet, just like looking down at this caveman like civilization with just wires and pollution and <clears throat> everything going on. I mean, once again, we kind of talked about this in the first podcast, how there's this pervasive ideology in our society that we are at the apex of our civilization. And we're finding more and more. I listen to a lot of these really interesting archaeological podcasts and stuff about ancient civilizations and how we're finding out with stone structures that are being discovered still to this, you know, every day there's new stuff being discovered that there is a technology that we still can't comprehend that was based around in energetics within the planet uh, using these stone objects as literal, literal um, power stations, if you will. And this is just one theory of many, but we're figuring it all out. But it's kind of a joke that people have this idea that we are at the apex of our civilization. I personally believe that's not even close. So we're kind of, to be honest, gone down the last 10,000 years. We call, you know, Luciferian um, side of the reality where it's all take, take, take. And um, it's not that balance of the waveforms. It's, it's the unbalanced nature of this reality. And many believe we're kind of, we're in, we're entering a new epoch where that's changing. So we're, we're witnessing that right now, which is very exciting. And that's why we are so positive about where we're going right now in this world. So we're going to talk a lot about that and new technologies and what I call the breakaway civilization. And we're trying to be a part of that through really good medicine, really cool products, really good informative media and being involved with friends and business partners and things like crypto blockchain, new science stuff, um, new media and new thinking. So, yeah. And the only thing we're at the apex of now is materialism again, which is one half of reality. And of course it was very necessary, not only to sell us stuff, you know, that doesn't work very well, but uh, we keep buying it because we think that's all there is. But um, also, if we are into a materialistic mindset, uh, which is uh, gross superstition, uh, once you really... And there are ways to verify this. This is, is, this is not woo-woo. Because when you understand the science, which anybody can understand if they apply themselves, then you'll not only be able to understand the logic and the uh, discombobulated uh, incongruity of what we consider mainstream science, but then we'll also understand uh, who we are and uh, and the fact that uh, very consciousness, not only can we create technology that serves us much better, that's non-polluting, that is not invasive to us in any way, but also... Um, uh, you take these concepts and you can apply them to medicine. You can apply them to um, uh, technologies and, and they, they work better. And then within ourselves, you don't even need technology. Uh, technology, it's interesting. What people I think don't consider is that there's nothing new under the sun. If we bring out um, you know, a smartphone or some other kind of device, um, it operates according to certain principles that already exist in nature and therefore they already exist in us. 
So the true role of technology is, yeah, uh, in a fun way, it, it can uh, expedite productivity and uh, make our lives kind of fun. Uh, but then on the other hand, it is really intended to illustrate to us that that exists within ourselves. I can go back with the telephone, for instance, when I was a kid and you had the big dial-up thing and, and half the time when you got on, your neighbor was already on the party line talking and then you end up just having group conversations. <laughs> and you know that was kind of life back then. And, uh, but we thought it was, uh, you know, the epitome of technology, being able to have these things with wires and talk to people at a distance. Now you have these little things in, in your pocket. You don't even need, uh, you know, a cord for it. And what's the next step? Well, the next step is understanding that our consciousness is the thing that's transmitting waveforms that other sentient forms, other fellow humans, can then pick up if they have awakened and, and developed themselves in certain ways uh, where you don't even need technology in order to communicate at great distances. And if you understand uh, the electric universe, there's no distance in, or <laughs> there's no parts, there's no space, there's nothing in the first place. It is a simulation, and that can be demonstrated in a very... Uh, concrete way but we have to introduce this in baby steps because there's so much unlearning that has to be involved with the average person in order to grasp these ideas that uh, and unfortunately most people these days don't have the critical thinking skills in order to get there either so um, yeah, yeah so long, we're gonna long, long baby steps go yeah. With, yeah it is it yeah is. long long way to go with uh, with that aspect and I guess here's a tricky question. So we say consciousness is the pervading, pervasive um, intelligence, if you will, behind the universe. Where does consciousness come from? Well, that, of course, is where the materialists are going to say, gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't prove the existence of a higher intelligence, no matter what name you put on it, whether you call it God, the great spirit, Yahweh it doesn't matter. It's a pervading um, primal intelligence that see that initiates all else, and they say, "Well, you can't prove that." Well, as a matter of fact, when you get further into uh, both sides of science and see the whole picture, um, you realize that number one, the whole materialistic uh, explanation of things is not only lame, but it also is rife with incongruities within their own laws of physics where they contradict each other. And uh, when you understand the basic principles, you come to the point where there has to be consciousness. There's, there's no other way this can happen because we can prove that their materialistic universe is bunk. It's been the atomic theory of matter has been debunked. Um, there's, uh, we'll start putting some links in here for people to uh, look at and investigate themselves. And we'll also have some good people into electrical engineering and other endeavors in science that will uh, be able to explain this better than I can. But um, yeah, they're, they're now in order to say, all right, to answer your question, Michael, is there a way to prove there's a higher intelligence? Well, um, that's up to each individual. And it's uh, part of our science has been this uh, show me kind of, uh, uh, you know, attitude. And therefore, if you can't show somebody, then therefore it's not real. Well, the fact is 
is when you get into certain internal arts, uh, start interacting with uh, other people. I've had the really good fortune of, of even doing lengthy apprenticeships with some people in what we would consider uh, traditional native forms of medicine. And uh, these people, because they were uh, from birth selected to do what they do within that culture, uh, uh, and also trained to see between the lines, so to speak, uh, they literally have the ability, just like our technology should have the ability to transmute matter, to teletransportate, to um, uh, manipulate uh, what we think of as forces within the field of physics like gravity. Uh, gravity, when properly understood, is, uh, has to be understood that within relative bodies of so-called matter, uh, there are pressure zones, and those pressure zones are what create the phenomena that we think of as reality. Uh, when you understand those uh, ideas, then you can also go into these other cultures, uh, the, the, um, the real adepts, uh, advanced martial artists of, of years past that you know, are still running around these days. I've actually worked with some of them where they're defying some of these so-called laws of physics because they have trained their consciousness um, to be free of a lot of belief systems that keep you in the confined reality that we're in. So uh, I guess to answer your question, it's an individual journey. Some people call it spiritual. I would argue that there's nothing that's not spiritual. Uh, there's only one substance in the universe, which is consciousness, which has the ability to translate into electricity. And everything we see in our universe are dimensions of the same exact thing. By dimensions, we're not talking about different realities. We're talking about dimensions of the same waveform. And depending where your um, uh, consciousness is directed, then you're going to be tuned on into any one of those dimensions. So again, when you go with uh, some of these uh, indigenous cultures and peoples that know, uh, you know, different and what some scientists like Walter Russell, Victor Schauberger and, and folks like that understood in more of a Western mindset way, um, you realize that no, not only is there an intelligence, but it is us. And then, you know, you can philosophize about, well, what's the collective consciousness really? What do we call it? Uh, I don't believe uh, the, the consciousness, the intelligence really cares what you call it because we trend, tend to anthropomorphize things and try to understand everything in terms of human attributes. But again, um, you know, that's part of the illusion. We really have to step outside of that and look at things in a much more dynamic and um, panoramic way. And I think you make a good point about the personal journey. I mean, this life is an adventure and we all are our own actors within it. That's why I think we gravitate or we used to, not so much today. Movies are kind of dying with the traditional uh, movie, you know, the hero's journey. It goes back to Greek, um, you know, drama, Greek tragedy, Greek drama, the, the structure of uh, three-act storytelling, right? It's this hero's journey and that kind of parallels what our life is like, right? Where we are our own singular consciousness that's, you know, navigating this life. And within that, you can decide to investigate these concepts or not. You can decide to close off your spirit and mind to these, the ability to kind of investigate and go on these adventures uh, or, you know, not. And I've messed around and trying to 
do things with transcendental meditation and, um, you know, out of body experience type stuff where you do certain types of, uh, you go to, you know, certain types of meditation where you, um, engage in a certain way and you get these electrical tingles coming through your body. If you do it right, it's kind of interesting. You, that initiates the, the first step towards, uh, I guess, having the ability to release your consciousness from the, this, um, I guess we call it the, the meat astronaut bag we're in, you know, the, uh, this body and you get these tingles. And then I've had a few where I've stuck on the ceiling in college. I had a, <laughs> a couple times where all of a sudden I was stuck on the ceiling and I looked down, I saw myself sleeping and boom, snap right back into my body. What's that? I mean, I guess materialist scientists would say that was some sort of projection of my consciousness is doing that's I'm in a dream or it's some sort of physiological thing that's going on there. Um, that it wasn't real, that I wasn't actually outside my body, uh, in, I guess what we call the astral plane or whatever. But the point is you can, yeah, you can go out and do this yourself and try to investigate consciousness. And I know psychedelics are making a huge comeback right now. Uh, you know, go to these festivals and it used to be you go to these festivals you know when I was younger these music festivals it was more about partying and drinking and having a good time and now it's kind of a trip you go and everyone's uh, really exploring their consciousness again kind of like the 60s and uh, acids back in a big way um, a lot of these exploratory drugs which can be damaging if not done correctly but if you're uh, evolved and you know how to use them as a tool, you can have an amazing experience as well investigating this stuff. So yeah, the singular journey of every individual to try to discover what consciousness is, is important. But back to the materialism side, there also have been studies that have kind of shown some trippy stuff um, where they've been able to, you know, actually physically show things like uh, with um, remote viewing and um, stuff with you know, the ability, the ability to. Uh, what was the guy? He was a Japanese uh, scientist who showed consciousness affecting water, right? And right, right. He took that. electron light microscopy pictures, and sh yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, we're still at the infancy of that because of the way science works; it denies consciousness uh it puts it in a place where it's kind of a manifestation of the physiological um parts of your brain and then consciousness is just a projection of certain thoughts that you have in your brain that are just chemical reactions within your physiology um but i think as we move forward and people are connected more thanks to the internet and thanks to just the um evolution of these thoughts now that people are more open to talk about it and people aren't struggling so much with just trying to feed themselves um the the hope is that these thoughts get out more and people can go out and have fun with these ideas and investigate this more like the mystics did of the past um yeah and you see yeah, it in, and there's a re Sorry. I was just going to say, you see it in indigenous cultures. You're, you're right spot on why it is like almost every indigenous culture have this in their heritage, this sort of mystic, mystic um, tradition, you know, and all the ancient civilizations too. And we look at it and poo-poo it, you know, our society as 
uh, them being, <laughs> you know, um, just not intelligent, not understanding science, not understanding the, the real way of the world, but is that hubris, you know? It's control. And uh, even in mainstream circles now, they're discovering the uh, uh, phenomena of neuroplasty uh, with um, like using psilocybin, mushrooms, that sort of thing. Uh, the brain is, uh, is a large radio receiver antenna. And um, we're using a, a, my, a very small part of our brain. So we're actually receiving very limited bandwidths of data in our daily experience. Most of us, uh, the average person, uh, very, very small amounts. So uh, when you imbibe these substances, and I'm not condoning anything uh, uh, other than fact that, uh, for instance, the mushrooms and why they're so revered in past cultures and what science is now confirming is they have uh, the ability to reconnect parts of your brain so you're using more, so you're going to receive more. Here's the other thing. Um, if you look at the entire system on a neuronal level, uh, especially the one uh, midline in your spine, you know, traditional cultures call them chakras and that sort of thing. Well, as a matter of fact, when you are in a more of an animal reactive state, you tend to uh, express your reality through these lower centers, which are more egoic and uh, survival. Now, people that as we're on the so-called spiritual journey, and the spiritual journey is nothing more than connecting the dots. Uh, you know, there's nothing mystical about it, really. It's been kept mystical, again, for the same control reasons. So when you are consciously attempting to use your experience to become a rational individual versus reactionary, and when you set certain habits in motion, and this is where the old martial arts and things, and I always default to that because I spent my whole life in these things. And, uh, you know, witness firsthand, uh, you know, what happens when you do certain internal practices. So when you um, see these uh, uh, practices in action, then you, you develop these disciplines that you're uh, now consciously reacting uh, rather than out of uh, anger or fear or that sort of thing, you're literally uh, moving your attention further up the, the electronic chain there. And when you have a preponderance of energy from the, the, the heart centers and up through the ones with your head, um, and it, when that becomes a habit and you're reacting less, then that gets to a critical mass where that habit is now uh, engaged that means morphologically, even nerves in your body have changed to accommodate the new chemical reactions. And the thing that makes it so hard with our spiritual praxis is that we're attempting to change our behavior. And meanwhile, our nerves have literally changed on a functional physical level in order to accommodate different kinds of chemistry, which keeps us into those lower behaviors. So it takes a little bit of effort, but it's definitely doable. Now, when you successfully uh, start coming from these higher centers and operate there, 
then there's different chemical events that happen in the body, and especially in the brain centers uh, themselves, uh, the pineal gland in particular, the master glands up there. And they start secreting chemicals when this energy is flowing unobstructed from, uh, you know, tail to head. And then those parts of the brain literally start opening up just like a little flower, and they start secreting substances that then create even more synapses within the brain uh, which include an expanded bandwidth of, um, you know, that we're able to experience with our regular senses. For instance, you can see in, in, in more of a full spectrum with your sight, with your hearing. Uh, you can even see with your hearing, you know. You can hear with your sight uh, because, again, one of the reasons going back to why they got us into this materialistic idea and belief system is because now we're these separate parts that are somehow glued together with these, uh, you know, magical properties that we assign them in chemistry, you know, ionic charges and, and things like that. And then covalent bonding and, you know, just different variations of how things glue together when in reality, it's all one waveform. So, uh, so are there, you get are out there, of that, uh, dog, are there studies that sh have shown, uh, these physiological chemical changes based upon meditation and uh, things that to ignite on the spiritual end? I know of no studies uh, within conventional science. Um, and of course, people will quickly uh, grab onto that to say, oh, this has never been proven. But the fact is, uh, is half the world out there for most of history is... <laughs> already known all these things and again it may be anecdotal but when you do things differently you have different experiences and in my own personal experience not just my own but other individuals that have been brought into my life uh, are have done things uh, right in front of my eyes it would defy anybody's logic and I can go back to a time in my life where uh, I was working with one individual in particular, and he would do things that I were actually quite disturbing to me at the time because I couldn't explain them. And it was very upsetting, uh, you know, on an ego level because it shatters the way you look at things. But with uh, uh, time and additional experience, and then especially when you have access to real science and, you know, Walter Russell types of things, then it explains all of those phenomena. So like what what was he doing a healing people or uh let's keep that for a different i'd like to lay a little bit of groundwork first and get okay. to know people over a period of time because sure. uh when you get out there too fast without substantiating it a little bit of time then you, you know you you know you lose sure. credibility because these are not things that are in people's experience and especially uh most people out there even that are open minded uh, because, uh, you know, maybe part of them is introspecting and, and looking elsewhere for information, but at the same time, they lead the bulk of their lives in a routine that has been pre-established for them for, from birth, and it's very hard to have any experiences other than, you know, what you were born into when you're in that kind of routine. Yeah, fair enough. What about uh, New German Medicine? Aren't they kind of doing some things there where they're quantifying um, the way absolutely absolutely physiological yeah yeah and not just uh, Germanic new medicine but there are other things we'll talk about as well uh, where they fully establish that disease is not disease there are only biological 
programs pre-programmed within us and uh, they are designed to um, create bodily responses to uh, things on the mental and emotional plane. And then they play these things out biologically so that it alleviates the burden on the psyche that we're all experiencing with, you know, different traumas and things we have in life. And, and therefore, it's part of the rewiring process. Humans are very unique compared to other mammals on this plane because we're wired a little bit differently where these programs are literally designed to have a biological response to those events on the mental and emotional plane, as we said, so that things could be played out by our body and so that we no longer stay in those lower emotional reactions that we embryologically have hardwired into us when we're in the womb because we go from everything from reptilian to you know, the mammalian and then the human, again, has a unique opportunity uh, by way of our very biology. Now, what the unfortunate thing of conventional medicine is, is they don't understand that. Some at some levels do understand that and, and suppress it greatly. And that's why Dr. Homer, people like that, that were responsible for innovating and documenting exactly how Germanic new uh, medicine follows those principles. Uh, these people end up spending half their life in jail and marginalized and bankrupted <laughs> and everything else. Um, so yeah, Germanic new medicine uh, will be a great topic for many podcasts, I think, mm -hmm. in the future, because not only can we lend a lot of insight uh, into so-called disease, but we can alleviate a lot of the fear associated with disease. And then we can also uh, understand that there's uh, no boogeyman out there. And in fact, we've been designed to, um, from, from the very get-go, to get off the wheel, so to speak. And we're the only ones on this plane that have the opportunity to do that. So I, I guess, yeah, I've always been interested in why humans have all the, this assortment of illnesses and, you know, the flu and all these neurological issues and stuff and, you know, obviously the contaminants and stuff we put in our body. But, and then animals in just the natural way, like wild animals, sure, they might get hurt. They might come down with something every now and then, I guess. But for the most part, your general animal doesn't deal with that stuff. Do you ever see, I mean. No, very differently. Yeah. Occasionally, I guess dogs do maybe because they're more connected to humans in a way. Um, but you know, you, it's not like you see animals with, you don't, you know, a bird with a cold. I mean, maybe they get colds, uh, but it's kind of interesting, right? Why do humans have all this assortment of afflictions? Yeah. Where yeah. And, um, and mm -hmm. animals in the wild have uh, different maladies than domesticated animals. And that's because domesticated animals uh, being, within the resident fields of humans, they start picking up human attributes and start getting so-called cancers and things like that. We'll talk about cancer. Cancer is not a disease, but it'll explain why dogs start getting gross in their body and uh, domesticated herd animals even uh, start getting those kinds of afflictions, whereas they never um, had them historically before they were brought into closer contact with humans. That's trippy. So going back to this whole idea of that humans are poorly designed um, and, you know, consciousness and disease and all this, 
Um, I mean, there's historical records, right, in the Bible and these ancient texts of humans living thousands of years and, or, you know, up to a thousand years and ideas uh, within other ancient civilizations that we lived a lot longer. And there seems to be this idea now in our culture that we have the longest lifespan in the history of humans and in the 1800s, you're, you know, or let's say that, you know, during the Renaissance or whatever, you were lucky to live to be 30, you know, especially like they say in the middle ages. And sure, those were tough times. You had feudalism. It wasn't the funnest time to live if you were uh, a serf living on a farm, but, um, sounds kind of like today, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we kind of do live, we can, we'll talk a lot about this, the neo-feudalism of today. <laughs> but my point is, we talk about this a lot in our own private discussions about lifespan and about humans. Are we, you know, is, are we, are we a zero point energy machine? Do we have the ability to really live a lot longer? And we're just been kind of grounded in the, in this, um, this prison of uh, ideology that, you know, the average lifespan is about 65, 70 years, 80 years, maybe now, or do we have the potential to live a lot longer? Um, are we this flawed um, machine or are we pure consciousness? And this is just kind of our body. We can really decide how long we want it to live. Yeah. Well, back, uh, back in the day, um, like when you went into the Shaolin training and that sort of thing. Um, and there's ways to really document this and find out it's not just uh, folklore, but they had very uh, defined techniques and disciplines to extend their lifetime. And unlike life extension people these days who just want to live a long time because they're afraid to die or whatever, um, the purpose of extending your life for hundreds of years like they used to do was to have uh, a contiguous uh, stream of consciousness within the simulation to have a greater opportunity and time to connect dots and therefore get off the wheel once and for all. You know, in electrical terms, uh, everything in, in nature is created in spheres and we should talk about how that works uh, someday in the future. But those spheres are on the electrical level, the true building blocks of our reality. Now, there are different ways that we can use our consciousness to create the waveforms that are out picturing to create our body, to create everything. Um, that is going to create a perfect symmetry, the way nature was originally designed, the way our body was originally designed. Our bodies were originally designed not just with electrical waves, but with certain geometries that creates the ratios and so forth so that, you know, it's the reason why there's a certain ratio of, uh, you know, fingers to hand and elbow to shoulder and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, humans look like humans. Yeah, yeah. Humans uh, look the way they do because of the electrical force is playing against certain geometries. So what we were talking about before that? You asked the question. So I was just talking about how, um, you know, in the past there's myths and stories of oh, yeah. humans yeah. living a thousand years. And uh, is, I mean, is there some validity to that? Yeah. So, so there are disciplines 
allowed them to have more control by way of their beliefs, their thoughts, and their emotions to uh, create more symmetry in the waveforms that then is going to maintain more the perfect form of, uh, of the body and everything according to its original design. Now, in electricity, you have oblation and uh, prolation. Think of a flat line you see on TV when a guy's croaking, you know, when he's hooked up to the monitor in the hospital and goes beep, you know, now all of a sudden you're dead. Well, it's flatlining. That's called oblation. So what that means is there is a consciousness there that is now operating on one plane and the consciousness is no longer fully in the simulation that is, uh, you know, creating the other forces that would maintain those spheres. Now, what they did with their practices back then is uh, it would allow them not only to create the spherical symmetry, but also to maintain, uh, you know, by way of uh, maintaining the prolation, which now allows you not to have to flatline and keep going through the loop, uh, you know, like an apple tree out in the orchard, you know, it dies and then comes back, gets green leaves, apples, and now everything falls off again. It looks dead. No, it's, it's flatlining, but not flatlining for good. What it's doing is it's oblating and then other forces come into for, uh, play in the spring, which creates more of a prolation. Now you got your spheres. Now the, the tree looks uh, vibrant, just like we're reborn. <laughs> into another embodiment, uh, the same thing's happening. We didn't die. We didn't go anywhere. We're still the same consciousness, but we give it another go through a grand cycle. And people on this planet now are going through a particularly important cycle because the larger bodies that we live on and, uh, you know, the, the galaxy that we um, inhabit is going through some larger cycles that are playing on our normal life cycles, which is why a lot of people are starting to wake up right now. And why a lot of people are freaking out right now at the same time. The whole as above, so below kind of concept. Yes. Oh, as above, uh, so below uh, is, is the, the most important thing to comprehend. Because when you get what that really means, you get everything. And it's not mystical. It's not supposed to be vague. But when you know enough of the uh, real scientific principles uh, behind who we are and how we get here, then um, as above, so below, which, which means everything has to obey the same patterns, the same rules, the same electrical phenomena, unlike physics where they say, okay, this happens here, but oops, it doesn't happen here. Uh, well, why the inconsistency? Oh, we don't know. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it's um, the whole quantum, yeah. me quantum mechanics versus relativity. They can't, they are completely different. It's like, oh, when you get really small, yeah. so all the rules change. You know, this is quantum's, a, uh, quantum's quantum. a tricky term, too. Uh, you know, um, way back when, when I started to explore all this stuff, oh, I was reading the Tao of physics and all this kind of stuff. I don't know, that was back in the 60s or 70s or something. And it was kind of cool because we're dabbling in some uh, concepts or terminologies relative to physics, but bringing in some Eastern mysticism and, and, you know, it's where we were trying to get, but, you know, back then I didn't understand enough. And you, and you know, those same circles, which developed into more kind of your new age circles. Uh, and they like to use the word quantum. Well, quantum connotes uh, a particle again, and there's no particles out there. There's like photons. Well, that's like a unit of light. Well, there's no units. There's no pieces that are connected nor separated. 
But can't they, don't they see the units? I mean, isn't that what they would say? They actually can, um, through uh, specific uh, microscopes or whatever, they can actually see the units um, within um, those particles. I mean, that's why they have the Hydron Collider, right? Because they're... Yeah, those are technological extensions of our senses. Sure. And those those technologies have been developed to mimic amplify and extend our senses but they're still devised on faulty concepts so yeah you know i have a microscope i look at blood all that kind of stuff and when i put a a slide of blood under there i can sure see a lot more stuff swimming around and i can with my naked eye but it's still operating on the same belief system the same technology in a way that I've been trained to use my eyesight. Now, defaulting back to anecdote again, there are experiences anybody can readily have where you see through all that. And of course, the skeptic, I'm a skeptic. I don't just like to gullibly believe everything. And it took me a long time to you know, come to the conclusion I've come to at this point in my life. But the skeptic will say, well, you know, again, prove it or show me. Well, you got to show yourself. And uh, sorry, but if you want all the secrets of the universe handed to you on a silver platter or think that you're going to get it by watching television or, or even reading a textbook in school, well, you know, those are all designed by the same interest. There are ways to prove these things, but you have to do it yourself. And there are ways to use science, one half of reality, in order to help you get there. So not all of what I had to learn in school was bad. I just realized it was incomplete. Sure. One of the goals that I have for Alpha Vedic down the line, once we're getting bigger and we're doing more and we have a little bit more funds to play around with, is I, I would love to travel more and do some more documentaries filmmaking stuff where we we go explore and we go meet you know whether it be a monk in a Shaolin temple (laughs) up in the Himalayas and we go actually try to seek out some of these mystical masters and stuff that are still out there that you know can show maybe they won't agree to it maybe they're they will say the same as you like you know the world doesn't need to see this it's an individual pursuit but man I would love to be able to capture on film someone who's a couple hundred years old or uh, one of these martial artists who can use um, their powers to blast somebody across a room. You know, we mm-hmm. hear about all this stuff. It would be great to get some of this on video just to show people. But then in, in the end, that probably won't matter because they'll say it's special effects or, you know, the doubting mind will yeah. won't believe it anyways. So, but still, I think that'd be a really you, fun you project. You could do all sorts of things right in front of the average person and then, you know, within a half an hour, their old reality is going to seep back in and they're going to talk themselves out of what they just saw anyway. So you can't prove it to somebody else. And, um, you know, again, the old techniques of life extension for the purpose of consciousness expansion and awareness, it's things have changed because the dynamics of our planetary experience and galactic experience has changed now. So there's other things in place. So that's really not the preferred method of um, uh, seeing through the, the simulation or however you want to say it. 
uh, there are people that are now teaching. Um, I've studied with one individual uh, <clears throat> who was from the old country, way up in the hills. And a lot of these techniques and things that were trained in these uh, secluded areas elsewhere in the world, uh, they couldn't share these with other parts of the world or anything outside of their circles. And they would literally be put to death um, if they did. That is all lifted now. It's also the same reason why on this planet you see a lot of truth being exposed and why there's so much chaos with certain interests out there trying to suppress the truth. But there are folks running around, again, one I stay with personally, where, uh, you know, you're doing your trainings and they literally move things, <laughs> you know, uh, across the, sure, you know, across the room and that kind of thing. Uh, but again, if you understand the science behind it, you would understand that the only reason why the average person is incapable or thinks they're incapable of doing these things is because that's our belief system. And the materialistic science had to be developed to a great degree. I just call it the left-hand path, not trying to take sides left or right, but uh, going exclusively down the materialistic plane because it takes the average person outside of themselves and uh, renders them kind of useless and incapable and also very vulnerable to anything, you know, uh, some of these folks want to do with them or to them. And so, also, yeah, there are people now that are doing it uh, in the United States. You don't have to go off to some secluded monastery somewhere. And, um, you know, it's a funny thing. They always say, uh, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear, all that kind of thing. Well, that's absolutely true. And when I started just opening up some doors after my conventional schooling, uh, people did appear in my life that opened my eyes to many things. And uh, those experiences will not come to people until they've done a little self-exploration uh, uh, and a little inner work. And then you start having um, experiences and people and events in your life that didn't used to happen and also make uh, your old thought forms seem kind of ridiculous in, in the process. But, you know, not in a shameful way. It's just that, you know, we're, we're not taught this stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's a great point about going internal. And I feel like the transhumanism thing is kind of, once again, this materialistic externalism where it's like we're going to externalize our consciousness and put it in a machine to give us life eternal, right? And mm -hmm. it's kind of um, backwards and also scary as far as evolving that way towards, uh, it's, you know, it's, um, it's deconstruct, it's, it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Destructive in a way, I guess, versus the evolving more spiritually and evolving within and having the ability to potentially be psychic through our own internal abilities versus being psychic through some internal mechanism that creates like a Wi-Fi signal that we beam out to connect to others in essentially a network just like we're doing right now but just have that built into us 
that seems mm -hmm. almost um, caveman technology versus the ability to, to just be psychic <laughs> and just have it exactly inherently it is. in us. Mm -hmm. um, and in uh, other things too, you know, and be able to live a lot longer and decide when we want to go. And um, I think it all comes down to ignorance and comes down to um, just being closed off from that. And yeah, I see, I do see in the younger generations right now, a greater movement towards inner exploration. And, you know, you see these huge explosions and things like yoga and um, eating better and being more in touch with Gaia and Earth, Mother Earth and um, being more focused on just community and who you're talking to. And then on the flip side of that, you have everything that's so destructive. You've got social media, which is just constantly, you know, kids on their phone, just Snapchatting and being involved with nonsense of, you know, memes and whatever, just kind of silliness in the culture, uh, celebrity worship, um, basically being complete, totally um, taken out of the internal and externalizing every little facet of your life constantly and needing to share it with your peers in that way versus sharing in a much more wholesome, commutative way. You know, that's why we live in a small town here. We move to the small town so we can have that regular interaction where you walk to the post office and you, uh, you chat about oh, the weather and oh, did you start planning for spring and you know, things like that versus um, everybody kind of right now living in their own simulacrum, if you will, this postmodern human experience where everyone's in their own little bubble and they're only connected via technology and they're missing out on that thought connection that you have when you're with somebody uh, in a room together with them and hanging out. Uh, there's this kind of organic experience that people are starting to miss out on in this hectic, crazy modern life that we have where we're just constantly being, being bombarded with uh, technology. So, yeah, technology is great. We love technology, but it's got to be the right technology, and it's also got to be within the yeah. right framework. So um, Exactly. And yeah, not technology at the expense of ourselves or our world. Yeah, so we're kind of seeing two paths, right? Like, I see where we've got the path of transhumanism and materialism that's just rapidly firing away and people are really bought into it. And then you've also got the path towards higher spiritual awakening that's happening as well. Exactly. And they're kind of diverging. It's going to be interested to see where we go. Um, and maybe there's two paradigm shifts. Maybe people go this way and another part of society goes that way. And Maybe they coexist and we'll see if well, better or not. I don't know. Well, right now where it's about faith and fear, and I'm not talking about faith in a religious sense. I'm talking about faith in just uh, uh, allowing your intuitive awareness to start opening other realms of possibilities to you and then uh, start changing your experience to test out uh, the veracity of any of these uh, techniques that could bring you different experiences uh, to see what happens. That's, that's the only way we can do it. Now, um, just as a little segue into technology, uh, you know, in my work, I do use technologies and, and that sort of thing. And technology is not bad. It's wonderful. And uh, at the very beginning, I believe, I don't know if we were recording yet, but uh, you asked me how my shoulder was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to get into how I did it because it's very embarrassing. 
but I uh, broke uh, my uh, clavicle and uh, scapula a couple of weeks ago. Good times. And uh, that would have normally put my arm in a sling and, and, you know, that kind of thing, you know, with what happened for, uh, you know, a good month or two, and then I'd be recuperating. Well, we're on week two now. And, uh, you know, I can raise this up in the air when it first happened. I mean, you, you saw it, didn't you, when you were over here? I, I mean, I couldn't begin yeah. to raise my hand. But um, the thing that we do use some technologies for is here's a little gizmo. Um, and it's uh, devised by a gentleman by the name of Bob Dennis who worked for NASA. He left NASA years back because they were trying to steal all his patents and stuff. So uh, you can go to his website and hear all the story. But he developed for astronauts in zero gravity. Uh, sorry, flat earthers. But um, <laughs> the uh, technology that would allow people in those conditions to become osteoporotic within two weeks um, to develop uh, greater density by stimulating the osseous, the, the bone stem cells in their body. And he, what he developed was something called pulsed electromagnetic frequencies. And um, this technology, uh, I, I've been using it since, uh, oh, you know, early nineties, that kind of thing. Their first machines we had were like $60,000 and, and they worked wonderfully. And what they do is they repolarize the cells because whenever you get sick, um, and again, no such thing as sick, but when you have those kinds of symptoms, two things are happening on a cellular level. If you don't know anything else, if you took care of these two things, most people would get better from everything pretty quick. Um, the cells are uh, not oxygenated. They're operating on anaerobic metabolism, that is, in the absence of oxygen. And they're also uh, like half-mass batteries. It's like a, a flashlight where the, the battery's just getting you a little dim light. So if you want to get be uh, better, and if you also understand waveform mechanics where it's about repolarizing with the compressive half of the life cycle, then you're reboying the cells with both oxygen and um, uh, electricity, literally recharging a battery. And then the body can run its pre-programmed uh, 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 design and get better and not stay on an uncomfortable plateau that we think of as a terminal disease or some kind of thing. So uh, the way you repolarize your cells better than any other technique is with pulsed electromagnetic frequencies. Now what Bob did, uh, since he left NASA, is he perfected the waveform so that we could take these little micro units and not have to have a big, elaborate, expensive, uh, high-voltage unit, which is good for other things, but for stimulating stem cells and tissue repair and that sort of thing. And what they've shown in many animal studies is these uh, fractures, that, you know, compound fractures and things that won't heal. Uh, when you subject them to these energy fields, they, they heal beautifully. You take the before and after x-rays, all that kind of thing. So with what I did with this little gizmo is I just wore this uh, right at the scene here and I had it taped onto my uh, body and I did that for a solid week and day by day, I was just getting exponentially better until now I'm about 100%. I'd say within a couple of days, I'll be hitting the bags and doing my own martial arts drills and everything right now. I'm back stretching and, and doing some training again. But uh, pulse electromagnetic frequencies, uh, just if conventional medicine would only make this available uh, in order to mend bones in a fraction of the time. I had a professional tennis player a while back uh, who had a um, 
a fracture in the arm and uh, kind of ended that season right when it was starting and she was going to lose out on a lot of money. We had her back out uh, with her opening match of the season within less than 30 days, whereas she was, the medic said, yeah, no way you're going to get out there. You, you know, just this season's a wash. So um, yeah, technology is good and it works even better if you understand how the body works and how it's electrical and uh, the very basic things that you have to do to manage any clinical case, no matter what the diagnosis. Earlier on, you're talking about all these kinds of disease entities and, and when we're discussing new German medicine. Well, diseases are just words. Uh, you and I could uh, be exposed to the same neurotoxin. Uh, let's just make believe that somebody's up there spraying aluminum and barium and all that kind of stuff into the atmosphere, which are known neurotoxins and that we're all subjected to it. You and I have the same titer of those toxic metals in our blood and you might develop uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. I might get MS or, or at my age, I might get Alzheimer's or something like that. Um, well, the fact is, is it's a different bodily response based on your chemistry to the same exact stressors. So when you understand uh, that there's no such thing as separate disease entities, then you can interject very intelligently with modalities, including technologies that will really speed the whole process up. And when we created Alpha Vedic together, we decided, well, you know, we have a lifetime of experience in the healing arts, uh, also in certain technologies, uh, also, in my business for many years, I had the opportunity to work with some very remarkable people and had my eyes open with a lot of things. So what we wanted to do was get out information because, Michael, you hit it right on the head earlier when you said knowledge is the most important thing, and it is. Because if you don't have knowledge, then you're uh, going to be conflicted. You're going to be at war with yourself. Uh, your heart is going to tell you certain things. Your head is going to tell you other things. You're not going to be able to resolve those things because of the programmings we've had. And, you know, we're going to forever be stuck in the same box. So with Alpha Vedic, the idea was, number one, share with what we've picked up over the years of seeing many, many, many people for a long time and seeing that you get different results when you do things differently. So we were able to prove in our own experience how certain things work. And now that's what we want to share. And then uh, our products um, are twofold. They're based or developed, formulated on these same principles so that we're engineering from uh, a stance of uh, or from a perspective of how things work from the top down, from our consciousness, and then work more on an electrical level that is responsible for putting all those molecules into motion in the creation in the first place. And then the other thing with the business aspect is we didn't want to be out there doing grants or trying to fund through sources to get our information out because we didn't want to have any allegiance with uh, people that might skew our message. And we also, uh, you know, uh, you know, need believe in free enterprise in order to not just self fund, but to achieve our purpose here. So uh, that's why we'll, you know, talk maybe about a few products in the, uh, you know, uh, you know, whenever we care to, that um, will not only illustrate some of these principles, but then, you know, make available some things that are very helpful to people. Yeah, that's a great point about, the, you mentioned the heart too, right? How people without knowledge 
per se aren't seeking it kind of have this internal battle between the, the brain, which is really focused on a certain polarity. And then you have the heart intelligence, which is, I consider to be more like wisdom and intuition. And a lot of, I think in this culture, we've gotten away from the heart intelligence a lot. And we're just kind of, everyone's just in their brain, in their head. And that's the, the thinking is that's where knowledge comes from, but really yeah. the heart and the heart chakra and everything to do with the heart, your intuition, which comes from, you know, whether that's from previous lives or from your higher self, that's above you, that's sending it into there, whatever it is, there's a reason why we have a historical storyline and narrative and Valentine's day and all the stuff to do with the heart, because the heart plays a major role in us as humans and our ability to navigate this world. And it's not just a place where blood is pumped through. <laughs> it's, uh, it's yeah. A and in a more grounded discussion about the heart, not, not that what you said wasn't grounded, but something that most people could relate to more is the heart is a more neurologically complex and developed organ than the brain. And so when you really get in and study it, we found this out back uh, way back in the old days in applied kinesiology where we started developing some techniques to reset the heart and then just watch, uh, you know, changes in the blood and lab tests and physical uh, symptoms and all sorts of things change on the spot. So it's more important to, you know, use the heart as the main reset mechanism in different modalities. And, you know, the heart is the real brain. And when you get into some other of these practices that, you know, I was alluding to earlier within the world of martial arts and so forth, um, it also explains why when you get in that space, uh, you can anticipate things happening before they happen. Uh, it opens up your peripheral vision. You gain, uh, uh, you know, just a more acute sensory awareness of what's happening in places that are, you know, so-called not even within your vision. So you become very efficient and uh, also get to prove these things to yourself. And of course, that's why originally martial arts had nothing to do with fighting. They had to do with, uh, you know, personal development. And in fact, um, fighting was actually remarkably effective in training people in these practices because when you're in the middle of combat, um, you know, if you're about to get smacked in the nose, uh, you know, you're either on your game or not. And so it's a, it's a very immediate way to get feedback uh, to let you know where you're at and how, what level of mastery you're at. So a lot of people and, you know, no criticism, but you see a lot of people down at, you know, at the park doing Tai Chi dance and everything that's fine and that's very good it has a lot of good physical attributes but you're not learning the real stuff you aren't you know learning how to really direct your own energy to the point where you can start uh, proving out some of these things but back to the heart there's another great guy out there uh, his name's frank chester that uh, we should have a whole discussion on him someday but he was an artist interesting but also a mathematician and he developed geometric forms so that you can see the progression of what we consider the platonic solids or the sacred geometry and the things that, you know, go all the way back to the Pythagoreans. But he developed a progression uh, where he talks marvelously on his YouTube videos. Um, <clears throat> and, and he's actually uh, interacts with Walter Russell circles too, which is how I first uh, got to know of his work. But he proved how the heart 
was a progression of these geometric forms and actually had all the geometric forms in one, which is actually what makes up the heart. And then the heart, when you see it properly, it's actually a little dual vortex, which mimics exactly what Walter Russell talked about as far as the dual compression radiative uh, hydraulic pump that, you know, works according to the dictates of our consciousness and creates our reality. So what's interesting though is uh, um, uh, Chester proved that the heart is not a pump. It doesn't pump blood. It's a vortex and it creates an energetic effect. And that's how all the blood gets down to the terminal capillaries and everything. Um, you know, so efficiently, because if you looked at the, at the um, engineering of the left ventricle of the heart, you know, which is the part that squeezes and squirts the blood out, and then the blood has to go throughout the, the whole body, and including all these little terminal capillaries, that takes a lot of pressure. And if you took the pressure that's needed to achieve that with one pump of the heart, it would explode the left ventricle. <laughs> Wow. The heart isn't designed to be a pump. It's a vortex, and it's all energy. So um, now just to add a little bit of credibility to this, the American Heart Association is now studying all his work. You won't wow. be learning it in uh, med school, sorry, students, but the behind the scenes, they are studying his work because they understand that what he's saying is true. But the same principles, the interesting thing for our discussion is that uh, the more you delve into what he's talking about, it ties all the pieces together and even shows how it, uh, even a cardiologist could uh, do a more effective job and help people with heart conditions if he understood what the heart really was, how it works, and what constitutes true science. So kind of hard to uh, take that heart and put it in a robot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean <laughs> what this whole idea of taking consciousness and putting it in a machine right kind of yeah, it's like i said it's like frankenstein you know it's like out of oh, a it's, scary sci-fi yeah. it's lame in the extreme book from the 1800s you know it's like, yeah it, it, it's so it's so crazy here's an interesting thing i don't know if i'm gonna be able to articulate this and rein me in because you know me i go all over the place um you know, when, um, uh, maybe we shouldn't, uh, <laughs> well, we are getting a little long here that might maybe yeah. we'll open this up for a second one. I did want to get in. You, you mentioned alpha Vedic and obviously we're, we have products. We, okay, let's go there. Yeah. We formulate. And I think this is a great podcast to quickly talk about one of our products and that's our zero point solutions. And uh, David Hudson, right, who um, was one of the guys mm -hmm. who in the 90s uh, really came up with the idea, or not came up with, but was able to just really um, research uh, what he called orbitally rearranged monatomic elements, which um, you could probably describe better than I, but we have a product, our zero point solutions are, I guess the fundamental idea behind them is um, we have um, different solutions. We could talk about, I guess, our um, full spectrum because that kind of has a bit of everything in it. And these have these sub these um, these monoton mono. Uh, am I saying it right? Monotonomic. Uh, Orbitally rearranged monatomic elements. Monatomic. Um, thank you. Um, o R M E. Yes, uh, in them, and they're kind of vibrating at a different level than your more metallic version of these. And we have uh, these 
in a liquid form that you can take that are uh, going to allow for better absorption of you know your classic minerals, vitamins, trace elements, etc. But it's much more than just better than taking uh, a pill. Uh, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, a lot more to it, but that's a good introduction. Um, it's such a huge discussion to just understand the product lines and then beginning with the zero point. First off, there's a reason why we call it zero point. Zero point, of course, uh, suggests that maybe there's um, something to do with free energy or you know that kind of thing. The fact is, is the human nervous system is designed to be a superconductor. And what that means is that when you have signals or information data traveling through the neuronal complexes, networks, then um, <clears throat> it naturally picks up some resistance in the average person, just like the resistance we get in uh, you know, our electrical wires and everything. That uh, results in a loss of energy and also uh, uh, it cuts down the speed of transmission. So whether it's a technology or our bodies, uh, you know, it doesn't uh, operate as efficiently as it should. And then all those um, elements uh, that are part of the, um, uh, let's see, what's the best way to say it? Um, let's, let's go into orbitally, uh, or the ORM, orbitally rearranged uh, monatomic elements, and maybe start there. That's the most complex part of the, the product, um, but let's start there anyway. You mentioned David Hudson. David Hudson uh, was a scientist in the in field of agriculture, and he made a discovery in uh, some soil experiments. Uh, I was able to meet with him shortly after that. Uh, that was uh, like in about 1991 or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, uh, he found these uh, elements in the soil that didn't behave properly. In other words, he noticed they're like, like this, uh, when they're dry, they'd uh, be white particles, white powder, and it would, they'd actually do weird things. They'd float in the air and do all sorts of stuff. And, um, but with uh, further research, he uh, and people since <clears throat> called them ORM because they're trying to explain these strange elements according to accepted uh, understandings of uh, the periodic table of the elements uh, and the atomic theory of matter, in other words. Um, it doesn't really work, but at least we know what they're trying to talk about, and they are in acknowledgement that, yeah, these things are different animals. So when you default back to Walter Russell, and we'll get back to the idea of the superconductor human nervous system and all that, uh, in just a second here. Uh, what Walter Russell understood is, again, with no particles in the universe and just electrical waves, then when you look at an element, say gold versus platinum versus, uh, you know, you name it, carbon, all you're doing is looking at the same waveform in different states of motion. So there's no particle out there that's a different particle, just like you know, we tried to diagnose Lou Gehrig's disease versus MS. Well, it's all one and the same thing, a different manifestation depending on how things play out. The same thing in the elements. The elements in the earth, when you look at the procession of their journey from when they start down at hydrogens and go through the, the various octaves and tonal fields in each octave, they take 
um, their little place being this element and that element and so forth. Now, in nature, some of those processes might take tens of thousands of years for that transmutation. But when you understand that these elements come into existence according to our technological examination and, and with our eyesight and everything, uh, these are just different states of motion and it, it's all one and the same thing. And um, now where that becomes interesting is there's a whole lot of stuff in between too. Now science would call those isotopes and things. Uh, and there are true isotopes, but then other things they call isotopes aren't isotopes. They're actually transitional elements. That is when gold is uh, approximately, I'm going to throw a number out here, which actually has a little bit of reality is about half into the physical. In other words, the heavy, dense, metallic uh, weight of gold that we recognize on the periodic table. It will be in this white powder. That's what David uh, found was what he called orm. Now, what orm really is, is a transitional element. Again, explained by waveform mechanics. Now, here's the important thing. What has been found is when you consume these elements, and by the way, these are perfectly safe, and we consume them all the time. But what David found was how to concentrate these things. Uh, I think I mentioned in our first podcast that I have a water trap that I constructed that I get, uh, you know, and run our river water through and it collects what we would consider warm, rich water, or transitional rich water. And it actually comes out after it's subjected to some uh, vortexes and magnets, magnetic chambers and things It comes out in, in a milky form and it's very concentrated in these uh, transitional elements. So one of the things that are in, let's just uh, take our zero point, take uh, full spectrum, which is our number one product there. It's more of our general full spectrum supplement has all the vitamins and minerals and other cofactors and enzymes and things to be a complete one and all thing in a liquid form for greater assimilation. So all these formulas, and especially this full spectrum, they're activated with the transitional elements. So the transitional elements, what we found, is they actually feed or cultivate would be a better way to say the the normal properties that we're born with, which is a superconductive um, uh, state within our nervous system. So when you take these elements, number one, when they're in the formula, they activate other ingredients that are in the same formula to work more efficiently. But then over time, in a long period of time, you know, months and, and whatnot, people start perceiving other changes other than just physical well-being. Uh, maybe a story for a different time. Mm. But these elements are feeding the superconductivity of your nervous system, which means signals are now traveling with less loss of data, uh, less resistance. You need less energy input in order to create your energy needs. Um, and it will also... Uh, they found at the level of the pineal and, and other master uh, organs in your brain, they um, then start doing some of those other things we alluded to with the chakras and, you know, chemicals being secreted when you start operating, kind of start you know, more exclusively from different, yeah. So the transitional elements actually help cultivate that. Interesting. And we put them in a formula because they're, they're, you know, very safe, clean minerals just in their transitional state. Now, the base of that mineral complex, because minerals are more important than anything, 
and uh, you know, keeping ourselves mineralized these days because that is how we conduct energy in our body in the first place. Think of minerals as the wires in the system behind the walls there. So these elements um, are in a base of humic fulvic and uh, in the old uh, system uh, of Ayurvedic medicine, the master tonic was Ayurvedic, I mean, uh, Shilajit. And Shilajit is a concentration of uh, trace minerals from uh, plant matters that has decayed in pristine, high elevation uh, uh, environments over thousands of years until uh, you know, the stuff starts oozing out of the rocks and it's, it's plant matter, very concentrated, and, and all the nutrients and cofactors and things that are needed for, uh, you know, a healthy body. And it's, again, it's in a pre-digested form. So we put the humic and the fulvic. Now, there's diff the only difference between those two is molecule size. Fulvic, we use to complex with certain things because it's very small, and it allows uh, fulvic to tr transport other minerals and goodies into the cells more efficiently than when they weren't with fulvic. And then the humic is more the, you know, just a, the, you know, a little larger molecule size, but um, still the same pre-digested mineral. So you get a good mineral supplement. It's pre-digested. It transports other goodies into the cells across the cell uh, membrane. It's activated with the uh, transitional elements. And uh, in the case of our full spectrum number one, it uh, has other factors you need uh, that you would think of uh, needing in, a, say, a, a one pill a day kind of thing, only in a liquid form because it works that much better. Yeah, so it's kind of like we kind of recommend that as your base to have every day, right? Your base nutrition yeah. or your um, micro nutrition, if you will, your internal nutrition for your cells. Um, exactly. Yeah, interesting. We also – go ahead. I was just going to say you mentioned the pe uh, pineal gland, um, if I'm pronouncing yes. it correctly. Yeah, I, I hear a lot about you know modern man's pineal gland is much smaller than it used to be, and it's kind of calcified right? Via yes. just um, the bombardment we have with in our atmosphere and in our daily lives and be interested to kind of see what the effects of these transitional elements uh, within our systems and allowing for the growth and uh, shedding off that calcification, if you will, uh, for pineal, yeah. which we know is important for the more mystical connection um, with our consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the pineal gland, uh, you know, that's why it's uh, graphically depicted in so many occult studies and everything in, in different ways depicted with, a, they use a pine cone a lot to, you know, symbolically gesture the, the, third the pineal eye. and everything. Yeah, exactly. Now the pineal gland, um, again, when it activates and, and you're therefore activating greater parts of your brain at the same time, you're operating in larger bandwidths. So with these, uh, uh, you're talking about shutting down the pineal. There's two things involved with that. First, uh, any level of biology is, you, you know, you can, that old adage, uh, use it or lose it, you know, and there's truth to that. You know, you have to kind of flex certain muscles in order to develop them. But then also on a level of consciousness, if we are in a belief system where all this stuff is, uh, mysticism or just straight disbelief then there's no way those thought forms can produce a fully active corresponding body part and remember the pineal is nothing more than a gesture in an alleged physical form 
of an electrical waveform, which is a thought form. And so first off, you have to change your belief system. And then on the compression side of things, you know, which we consider inside the, the matrix of simulation, then you put certain practices in motion that are going to start decompressing and allowing a little bit more of a balance. And so now you work on both sides of the spectrum there. And uh, then, you know, uh, to take measures uh, further, the system as designed. So on the physical level, we have every opportunity to shut down pineal development and promote calcification and all these things that make us dumber than rocks, really, because our pineal literally turns into a rock. And the best way they do that, of course, is with fluoride mm. in the water. Uh, it's been implemented as the most egregious thing to pineal activity. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, elements to fluoride from monetary interest you know now they get to take an industrial aluminum uh industry product. waste product and and sell it to us and and uh, fill up their hospitals with all the sickness that it creates but the most uh important thing that they have in mind when they fluoridate the water is to shut down our ability to perceive so wow. with the information that's coming out and being exposed Exposed as far as uh, truth being exposed by the day with the larger galactic events that are creating energy phenomena that is awakening the pineal gland at the same time and a lot of other things that are coinciding to naturally wake us up into another level of human expression uh, are the reasons why they're throwing the kitchen sink at us now, including poisoning our water sources and, uh, and, and, and our very um, belief systems with BS. Hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, but you know, I don't look at these things as negative. I don't look at these things as the bad guys doing things to me. We're not victims. We're all in this together. And the fact is things have gotten really to stupid levels now because we've let certain people do that. We've also naively thought that people wouldn't do that to us in the first place. Um, but more importantly, you know, as, as a kind of uh, go back to my jock mentality, you know, if I want to get strong, I go into training, I go into the gym and I spar against other people. And the reason why I do those things is because it gives me resistance to push against and therefore develop myself. So when I look at these creatures out there that are um, doing horrible things, uh, you know, I, I think their days are numbered. But in the meantime, you know, I think if you get the hang of it, then you use them. It's no different than walking into a gym. And, and it's like, you know, you don't walk around complaining because there's uh, too much weight on the bar when you're doing squats. Or something. It's like, no, that's why you're there is to create the resistance and to create the opportunity for growth. And in this case, expansion of consciousness. So these guys are doing nothing more for people that are up to the challenge. Uh, they're doing nothing more than creating a super race of people. We're like the bugs in the hospital that, uh, you know, you can throw anything, you know, in the book at us and you're just going to make us stronger. But, you know, it's, it's, it can be a little bit of a tenuous game at the same time. And going back to your original discussion of transhumanism, um, what they're trying to do is an end around because, if 
an individual. And in, in the case of a lot of these individuals that travel in certain uh, esoteric groups, um, if you so completely go down, we'll call the left-hand path there, you know, people call Luciferian, whatever. I don't believe in a little guy with pitchfork or anything, but I do believe there's some uh, energetic, uh, yeah, it's all energy and there's nothing good or bad. It's just, you know, certain people use energy for one means and other people for another. So these folks that think they're going to end around and do everything full mother nature and do it's things against, at the expense uh, they're, of us. They're going against natural law, essentially. Yeah. And, and, and if you do that long enough, and if you're in that materialistic mindset long enough, you actually lose your tether with that other part of yourself. And you can actually go to the extreme where it's, it's gone. It's just gone. So and that's why a lot of these to, uh, get off the wheel, as you mentioned, which is, the and that's why they still need us. So, and that's why they keep us with our entertainment and our wars and our, you know, chemicals that they feed us and everything. It, it promotes a lower state of a survival fight or flight kind of chemistry in our bodies that on the energetic level, if you don't think they don't know how to harvest that and use that, that's the whole point. And they need us and they resent the fact that they need us. Uh, but then, uh, you know, point to our naivete of, uh, you know, getting away with all the things they do as, uh, you know, proof or justification in their own realm to why it doesn't matter if you do this to dumb, stupid animals, you know, they deserve it, you know? Um, but so it's an interesting little dance, but, uh, you know, anybody who's up for it now's the, you can make rapid soul <laughs> expansion and conscious awareness at this point in time, including being able to materialize things, you know, within the matrix, uh, you know, more opportunity on that level than ever before. This is a, a, the, the time of greatest opportunity right now, but you know, it's, it's, it's serious. You got to have your wits about you out there. Definitely. Well, great. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap it up, uh, for this podcast. And, um, yeah, just going back to the product, the zero point solutions, the our amazing liquids, that we really see as a, a massive base to our product line. And that's kind of the thing I always tell people to first get, uh, you know, and really get those into your system. Because as you said, a lot of people are mineral deprived, especially with today's agricultural, mass agricultural food system. And, uh, you know, getting, getting that base into your system really wake up not only these, uh, these things we've discussed, but also allow for other products to have better effect and which we will get into more in the future. Yeah, and the greatest thing about the, the product lines is we don't have to worry about running um, afoul of the FDA or any other agency for making claims that it can, uh, anything can fix any disease because we understand there's no such thing as disease. <laughs> what we're talking about is understanding how to cultivate the human nervous system as a vehicle for higher consciousness. That's what Alpha Vedic is all about. Wonderful. And we will talk a lot more about that. Well, thanks so much. Uh, we went a little over time today, but hey, we are known to do that <laughs> and uh, had so much fun. And I really appreciate the time, Doc. 
Hey, good talking to you. And we've got some uh, pretty cool guests lined up that are going to be fun to talk to you forever. But let's do maybe a few more of these and uh, kind of set the stage so people can kind of hear us ramble for a while. And then we'll bring other people to help make our case. Sounds good. Well, have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, looks too. like the rain's starting to really kick in right now. So yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah. maybe we'll get a little more snow too later in the week. We'll see. But uh, it's um, supposed to snow later today. Well, uh, we will see. Uh, I look forward to maybe hitting the mountain this weekend. So, Sounds good. Uh, well, okay, great. Everybody. Have a good one, and uh, we'll chat soon. Take care. Okay, later. guys. Thanks for listening. And please, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, please subscribe to the channel. Please uh, hit the little bell button. It'll alert you next time we do one of these. And please share and spread this podcast to any friends and family you think that would enjoy it. And we thank so much for your time. And we hope you guys have a great day too. Whoops.